Ayurvedic teacher and registered nurse, Amy Pruitt. I'm therapeutic yoga teacher, Lisa Dumas. We named this podcast, The Radiant Warrior, because we all feel like we're at war with ourselves sometimes. And we need support to learn from our challenges and expand to the next version of who we are becoming. And for us, the practices that we've drawn from the wisdom traditions of Ayurveda and yoga bolster us in the real world challenges we face in our lives as women, mothers, daughters, and friends. Ayurveda's simple guidance helps us cultivate enhanced radiance and vitality. And the skills we've acquired from therapeutic yoga soothe an anxious mind and body, inviting contentment and connection to the part of us that isn't afraid. The Radiant Warrior podcast is yoga, Ayurveda, and real talk to reclaim a courageous heart. We're so grateful to all of you for your responses and reviews. Reviews are a wonderful gift to a podcaster because it helps us grow and become visible to more people. A great way to tell us you value the show is by heading to the iTunes app to subscribe and to offer us a five-star rating. We appreciate you. Over this past week, Amy and I had very similar situations come up that had us go deep into a practice of self-forgiveness. So we're going to share that with you on the podcast this time. But first, we're recording this episode the day before American Thanksgiving and the day before Amy's birthday, even though this is airing the day after Thanksgiving and the day after your birthday. So happy pre-birthday. Thank you. I'm so excited for my birthday. It kind of snuck up on me. I forgot that it was my birthday all week until somebody reminded me today. I don't know how that can happen, that you can forget about your birthday. (laughs) I just don't understand. (laughs) Do you have like a birthday month? Well, my husband has given me a birthday week of love, he calls it. Oh, that sounds lovely. Yeah, no, it, it really has been. And I think I've discussed this here before. My mom made a really big deal of birthdays when we were growing up. And so it still is not only a big deal for me, but anyone else I know. And so it's a big deal for me that it's your birthday. And tell us a little bit about you know, what you're thinking when it comes to your birthday and how you're going to honor it. Mm, so it's the last year in my 40s. So that's exciting because next year I will be 50, which is just mind blowing. Mm -hmm. And I am going to spend my birthday, which is also Thanksgiving, not cooking. Um, We have ordered out our entire Thanksgiving meal for tomorrow. So that's going to be amazing to not have to cook. Mm -hmm. And so I will just receive in that aspect. And then also one of my favorite teachers at the studio is doing a Thanksgiving yoga practice. So I'm going to start my day at the studio receiving as a student and going to the studio to have a lovely practice there. And then I'll spend the afternoon with my family, just enjoying each other, not worried about how dinner is going to turn out or what the table looks like, but just being able to enjoy each other and receive And then on Saturday, I'm going to fly to Mexico and spend eight days in Mexico on retreat. Mm -hmm. So I will be on retreat as a student yet again receiving. So this week is all about having others care for me, it seems like. 
I love that for you because we've spoken here before. Your natural tendency is to be caring for others. So now I like how you are very intentionally using this word receive. It's not natural Mm -hmm. for us to be able to accept and receive gifts from others and free time and rest and relaxation. We always feel like we have to earn it. And I know you've been really open that that's your personal challenge is feeling like you have to earn it in order to receive. But I love hearing you say that you are ready and willing just to receive the love from your studio, from your family. And then tell me a little bit more about the retreat that you're going on. What what are you going to be doing? What do you know about it? It's with an organization called She Recovers, which I invite everyone to go check out because their platform is amazing. And they have this this idea that everyone is recovering from something, whether it is substances or overwork or perfection or shame or anything you can think of, burnout, grief. So they provide a a platform where women can come together and just be together in whatever way, shape or form they are, whatever stage of their life. And it's just going to be amazing. We have very little planned, which sounds delightful. We have two yoga classes a day and three meals and then sharing circles in the evening, or we have a dance party one night and we have a fire ceremony one night. But other than that, it's really about just being in community and rest and relaxation. And it's in this beautiful villa that sits right on the beach in Mexico and everything is taken care of for us. Mm -hmm. Like really every detail has been taken care of, which is so delightful as you and I have been on the other end of providing these experiences for people. And so to be in the position now where I can, again, use that word, receive these beautiful offerings of yoga and rest and restoration and community. I'm just, I'm so proud of myself, of the person I was nine months ago who chose to sign up for this retreat. Like, I just want to go back and give her a hug because now I get to reap the benefits of that decision. So yay, yay for Amy nine months ago who pull the trigger. I'm also so proud of you. And I love what you had to say about She Recovers and their feeling around addiction. It's similar to my yoga therapy teacher, Brant Pasalacqua, who's going to be on our podcast in a few weeks. I'm so excited. That's a really big get for me (laughs) on the podcast. (laughs) But he teaches us that, you know, well, in, in therapeutic yoga teaches us that we're all addicted and that acute addiction should also almost be called addiction disorder because if it's not substance, then it can be our phones, our schedules, television, exercise. Like we just have that in our nature and some of us have a stronger nature than others. And I I mean, I just love the all of the different ways that we can look at that, but it helps us to be a little bit kinder to ourselves and perhaps avoid the internal thoughts of how bad and wrong we are if we remember that it's part of the human condition to have an addictive nature. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And there's no judgment around the different quote unquote addictions. You know, I think there can be some stigma around 
addictions to substances, but not so much around like social media or your screens. And they trigger all the same parts of the brain. So really coming at it from a lens, like you just said, that we're hardwired this way, that that it is a kinder way to have that dialogue with ourselves about what we're what each one of us is navigating. And and to have compassion for each other also, you know, of, of what any one of us is struggling with. And that, that takes us so beautifully into the stories that we're going to share this week. I spoke to you last week from San Diego. I just flew in last night. So back home in Vancouver, I'm happy to be here. Happy to be back to public classes at Semper Viva. Happy to be back with my family um, and home from the working holiday that I took there. But I was chatting with you and you had a situation and then you don't even know this, but a couple of days later, I had such a similar experience that I think it's helpful to chat about it. So what reminder did you have of a former self that maybe you didn't look so kindly at? So I had the opportunity last week to reconnect with one of my dearest, oldest, best friends. And it was a surprising reconnection. I wasn't expecting to ever be able to be in a space with her again. She was one of the most important people in my life as I was growing up and in my young adulthood. And we had a huge breakup. We had a huge falling out. And this was looking back, it seems like yesterday, but when I count the years, it was probably 25 years ago, which it just seems like yesterday. And it's one of the relationships that I really grieved the most throughout my life. And I've been divorced and I've had people, you know, die and, and this losing this relationship, you know, of, of my best friend was one of the most painful that I had ever experienced. And it was my fault. And I say that with total honesty, like I, I take all the blame. I, I did terrible things at the time. And I carried that with me throughout the years that with so much shame that I was just this horrible person. And how could this horrible person like exist who was me? And how could I do that to such a dear friend? And it was one of the biggest regrets of my life. And, and I've navigated that on my own, you know, over the past 25 years of forgiving myself and having the inquiry and what was I seeking at the time and what did I know at the time and what, what was my survival skills at the time and, and doing a lot of work for myself to forgive myself and find compassion for who I was 25 years ago. And, and that I'm not the same person that I was then. And at the time, you know, the things that I was going through are not the things that I have to deal with today. And so I've done a lot of self-inquiry and a lot of work on myself around that and a lot of forgiving, but I never thought that I would have the opportunity to sit in front of her. And that just came out of the blue. And um, we did get together and we it was like we were never apart. It was like we had been friends all along. 
we sat together for like four hours. Like we met for tea and breakfast and all of a sudden it was past lunchtime and the time just flew by. And it was an experience that kind of brought this forgiveness and self-compassion full circle. And, you know, I, I, like I said, had done a lot of work on myself. And so I had felt, you know, as best as I possibly could around the situation, but to have the opportunity to, to meet with her and feel whole. And like, we were back in a good place. And I know not everyone gets that opportunity. So I am extremely grateful for that opportunity. And I'm extremely grateful for her for even wanting to meet with me and being so gracious and so loving. And, um, so I just felt like it was such a huge gift that I had been given. Um, and it healed a lot of the parts of me that, that I had to kind of set down, you know, like those were things I did at the time and I'm not that person now, but, um, you know, I felt like somebody, you know, I felt like she reached back through time and, you know, held my hand and, and brought me full circle. So it was just this moment that I will be forever grateful for and, um, and hold dear to my heart. Yes. I hear that it must be such a gift and a weight off of your heart. And you're right. That end result is beautiful. And what a gift, pre-birthday gift. And the, the bigger picture is the work of self-forgiveness that you've been doing over the years. And that's the powerful part. This episode is brought to you by A Radiant Year, our monthly program that sends you a class that we create for you every week, offering therapeutic yoga and Ayurveda skills to support you in practicing real self-care. We design these classes to help you integrate simple and powerful tools into your life to help you move worry and overwhelm and cultivate more contentment and vitality. Enrollment opens next on December 6th for you to join us for a radiant winter. It's your chance to gather tools to feel more vibrant and at peace during the shorter days and cooler weather. We'll begin on winter solstice. Learn and grow with us seasonally or yearly. Head to aradiantyear.com to get on the wait list. Before these tools, when my mind would immediately, in a moment where I wasn't planning on it, bring back a bad memory of a time that I wasn't proud of an action that I took, you know, I would just, I would just relive that and feel awful and, and push it away. And now I know that that's an opportunity, you know, it's something that hasn't fully been dealt with or looked at. It's a, a piece of material inwardly that's sitting in the shadows that doesn't want to be claimed. And that's such a big part of our work is, is really looking honestly within and not not taking ourselves off of the hook and just making everything that we ever did completely okay with ourselves. That's not the point of self-forgiveness, but it is, as you said, understanding that we can't judge ourselves then with the brains that we have now. And it's important to do that work so that we can be kinder with ourselves. And, and there still is a sense of knowing what we know now and doing the best that we can. But being kinder with ourselves just helps us to step forward into our life because if we're beating ourselves up and what we think creates how we feel, then that's 
probably going to just perpetuate these negative cycles. So for instance, when I was in San Diego, I've mentioned before, that was a place that I lived for nine years. And that was a place where I lived when our daughter was very small. And in many ways, that was an incredibly challenging time. But they say that if you don't become uncomfortable, then you're never going to be promoted to change. So I really believe that I needed that discomfort because there was so much about the way that I was operating in life that was coming from insecurity and self-consciousness that I didn't even realize was there until I learned to be a little bit more conscious to my behavior. And I learned to own what was going on with me rather than imagining that it was you know, everybody else, which is the place that I lived in for a really long time. So I, I've I've talked pretty openly that it was a challenging time and that I did live in a place of fear and self-consciousness. And the way that I remember that making me feel and making me act is that I always had this assumption that I was doing something wrong or saying something wrong, or I wasn't measuring up, I wasn't fitting in, I wasn't belonging, and they didn't like me. And this was specifically triggered within my young daughter's school when I had a chance to create connection with a group of women. You know, that's the place where it was really triggered for me. And so looking back, I can tell that because I was being run by those thoughts, and remember, I didn't even really realize (laughs) that those thoughts were there. It was just this constant kind of inner buzz directing me along like a puppet because I didn't have the awareness that I could choose my thoughts and I didn't have to believe my thoughts. So I was just thinking that my intuition was telling me all these truths, but the end result was that I was coming off as I can recall, in in a very inauthentic way or really trying so hard because I was coming from this place of not fitting in and not being enough and not being approved of. So I was either jumping from trying and kind of being really, you know, thirsty and people pleasy or being aloof and, and kind of inauthentic because I had already decided that there was nothing that I could do. And of course, these behaviors that might have been hid behind a mask of self-confident are of self-confidence are going to just validate these inner thoughts that i have that i'm not being approved of and not being accepted because my behavior wasn't supportive of true connections does that make sense mhm yeah totally so i was reminded of that <laughs> I had an opportunity myself to reconnect with somebody from those days and I haven't seen her or talked to her in a really long time and I I was very grateful to hear from her and right away in a beautiful way she said you know I love to tell the story about you because here you were uh, a mom at our kids school And you had this energy that I really wasn't sure of. And so I stayed away from you. (laughs) And talk about a little knife to the heart. It was like, oh, yes. And, you know, just to have that validated, because looking back, I do have just so much shame for that time. And I know it was really rare when I felt safe enough to be myself. I know that was really, really rare. 
So to have that validated that from the outside looking in, one could tell or some could tell anyway that there was something unsafe about me within that was a little hard to hear. And it was a lovely meeting. And, you know, the moral of the story is during that time, I realized that I couldn't go on feeling as anxious and worried and nervous as I was all the time. It was not serving me. It was absolutely not serving my daughter. You know, she deserved better than that, than a mom who was really caught up in all of this. And that's when I went seeking and that's when I found yoga. And then very quickly, I learned to claim what was mine. And I, I realized all of the thoughts that were driving my my feelings and my actions. And I set upon this intense healing journey that will never really be over for me, but I'm so grateful for. So again, how can I regret feeling so uncomfortable in those years when it did bring me to the tools that I can't imagine not having? But to have that reflect back on me, you know, a part of my life that I don't love to look back on, it, it brought me back into some shame. So the way that I was working with myself was this time not to push it away just because it was uncomfortable and it brought me back to feeling uncomfortable, but was to really listen to what was going on in the mind. And I did hear myself say, oh, Lisa, God, you were just so awful back then, weren't you? And then, so I did, I did the work, you know, okay, what am I thinking? I'm thinking you were so awful back then. And then I questioned that well, is that true? And of course, when I'm thinking you were so awful back then, I was just looking for evidence. That's what the brain does when you input a thought like that. It'll find every little instance when maybe you weren't your best self just to say, see, awful, 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 awful. (laughs) But when I sat down and gave myself the space to say, well, is it really true? Well, no, there, there were many days of beauty and friendship and laughter and learning and honesty and authenticity that were sprinkled within that time where I was really fighting an internal battle. And then I asked myself, okay, well, what's happening when you're thinking this thought right now? You were just awful back then. Well, I'm absolutely going into shame and it, it's making me feel terrible and It's making me think a lot of other unhelpful thoughts about myself. And this is exactly the work that I've been doing to avoid going into this place of intense self-loathing. And then I asked myself, okay, well, who would I be if I didn't have this thought, if I couldn't think it at all, that I was so awful back then? And that's just immediately relaxing. And it reminds me that I'm just a work in progress that I'm learning and I'm growing and there's going to be lots of times where I am not knowing the, um, the right action, but I'm doing my best. You know, that, that Mm. feels a lot truer to be honest, if I took a moment and looked at it rather than the unconscious thinking of, oh, I was so awful back then. And That's what we need to do to create something called shame resilience. And I'm really passionate about that. So it was very interesting to get to do that work on myself again. And I'm thinking it's going to be an opportunity because I've mentioned that we're going to be spending a lot more time in San Diego again. We left and it was the right time to leave. 
and we've had a beautiful life here in Vancouver and we will continue to do so part-time, but we've missed a lot about San Diego and I'm excited for the opportunity to go back on our own terms and to go back as I am now, just wanting to go back for what I love about it and not worrying about the periphery and doing the work of forgiving that girl and giving her mm-hmm. self a redo, you know, to enjoy all that that part of the world has to offer rather than being so caught up in how that part of the world sees her. That's beautiful. I I know that exactly what you're describing is a technique that I know therapists use a lot of times with their clients around shame and just envisioning that scene that you described with the other woman and envisioning exactly what it was like, what you were wearing. If, if you could, you know, take a photograph of that scene with all the people who were there, you know, what the sky was like, what the temperature was, what everyone was wearing and, and then just really zoom in on you and let all the other people fall away or they become really blurry or they even fall off the picture. And then if you could step into that picture as you today with all the work that you've done and all the tools that you've gained and take that Lisa's hand and ask her, you know, what do you need right now? And, and be able to offer that to her knowing that she's still in you and that you are in her now. And, and it sounds like that exact thing you're doing with your whole life. You're stepping back into that place with this new knowledge and new love and new compassion for that Lisa, you know, 10 years ago. And, and what a way to, to celebrate going back to that beautiful place. Mm, I love that you put it that way. And you know, now we've mentioned a couple of tools for forgiving ourselves. And you mentioned that it's been so many years for you. What were the kinds of skills that you practiced to get to the place where you could sit face to face with her? Oh, so many. Um, you know, I did all the things it feels like I did journaling and I did therapy and I did self-inquiry and I have mentioned before having that picture of myself when I was little on my mantle in my room so that it's the first thing that I see so that I can lovingly speak to myself and, and, and questioning what did I know then? And what did I need then? And what was I seeking? And knowing now how to fulfill those needs. And like anything else we learn, you know, whether it's riding a bike or it's driving a car, we didn't know how to do that always. And I think navigating life and having an examined life which I feel like you and I are doing is also a skill. It's also something that we need to learn. We don't come to it right away overnight. It's, it's occurs over time and study and, and then sitting with that and allowing that to absorb. And, 
prayer and meditation and body work, like all the things, like I feel like all of those things are ways to heal, not just our body, but our psyche and our soul and our emotions and our mind. Like all of those things need healing. It's not just like we have an injury that we heal from and we might look okay on the outside, you know, physically. So, uh, I mean, I could list a hundred things, but those are the things that come to mind to begin with, especially, especially meditation, especially journaling and doing that kind of work around examining emotions and examining thoughts and patterns and do they serve me and what is their purpose and what is their message and is it helpful anymore? And if it's not, then finding a way to come up with new thoughts and new stories and, and new patterns, repatterning how I speak to myself, how I look at myself, all those things. I mean, it's just, it's such a complete holistic path that, that I feel like I've been seeking and sometimes not even seeking. I feel like there were times in my life where something outside myself flung me into a situation of healing where I wouldn't have, if I had logically examined it, maybe had resisted. Mm-hmm. Like even how I met you, I, you know, it makes no sense how you and I are like sisters now, mm-hmm. but we are. And, and I feel like that was something outside myself that, that I could have such a a deep loving relationship with you who lives on the other side <laughs> of the country in a different country. And yet, you know, you're so such a dear person in my life now. And, and so being open, I think is the, is another thing that it, that I would stress being open to healing, being open to changing the story, being open to how you speak to yourself in a different way and not, falling into those habitual conversations or I can't do that or I can't do this or this is how I've always done it and being open to a new way. I never thought my life would look like this at 48 and 364 (laughs) days old. (laughs) You know, I never would have predicted this, but I think for some reason I stayed open enough to allow miracles to happen in my life. And um, I'm not an overly religious person by any means, but I do think there is sometimes guidance that comes from outside of us and just being open to hearing that and wisdom and intuition. And I don't know, it's, it's just magic. It's just magic when you are open to healing what occurs. Well, and you mentioned repatterning and telling ourselves a new story and really looking at the way that we are talking to ourselves. And speaking of dear friends, that is a big technique that I use. And I was thinking about you because if we're only seeing our life through our own lens and the thoughts that are regular for us, then it can be hard to create new kinder thinking, especially when it's important to us not to let ourselves off the hook. It's it's not like we just want to completely forgive ourselves and 
push everything away where we may not have stepped up as our best selves. It is about learning. It is about creating an intention to be better next time. And maybe even it is about making amends and apologizing. But then once we have holding on to it is what can be insidious, holding on to it and just flagellating ourselves over and over again isn't going to serve anyone because each of us has a responsibility to step up to the lives that we've been lucky enough to have and um, to find our dharma like we talked about last week. So when I was deep into my shameful inner dialogue, I knew to stop myself because I knew that wasn't helping anyone. And I've done a good amount of making amends in my life and acknowledging where I was not my best self, especially around that time. And I thought about, okay, well, what would Amy say about about what I'm saying about myself? And you wouldn't have had it. You wouldn't have loved the way I was talking about myself. And you would have encouraged me to remember what it is that I wanted. That was a big question that I asked. Lisa, what did you want back then? Just to be loved, just to felt to feel loved and accepted, because that was not an easy thing for me to feel. I was looking for that everywhere in every shape and form and in all the nooks and crannies in my life. If I look back, All of my actions were seeking that love and acceptance. That's what I needed. That's what most of us needed. So it certainly is easier to forgive ourselves when we know that that was our intention. That was our intention all along. And that's how we can create new thoughts. What would somebody else have to say? And same thing, you know, you shared with me what was going on in your life at the time when you felt like you made a big mistake. And a friend can understand. Somebody outside of ourselves can see that. They can put the pieces together and say, well, of course, you know, we're we're all just doing the best that we can. We're all self-soothing. We're all looking for love. We're all looking for a sense of belonging and just a moment of ease when life gets so painful. The ways in which we will look to self-soothe may be destructive at times and hopefully we'll have the opportunity to heal from that. And hopefully we won't hurt others in the process, but we will, you know, and that's the thing. We're all going to hurt each other. As Jody Cron, who's been on this podcast has said, we're all hurters. And the sooner that we can accept and forgive that about ourselves and then move on and continue to do the best that we can, the better. Yeah. To have an outside person give you that reflection is so helpful like you and I do for each other often you know to be left alone to your own voice in your head can be so much more destructive than if you bring it out and share it with you know a trusted friend or counselor it gives it perspective and clarity where I had lived with that internally for decades and And that was a really dark, painful place to be and really shameful. And I was the worst of the worst and nobody could be worse than me ever. (laughs) You know, like I was the absolute bottom of the barrel and flipping that script. And then, like you said, that doesn't let me off the hook for bad behavior, but doing the next right thing, you know, and then the next right thing and then the next right thing. And doing the next right thing over time is a lot of right things, you know, a path of 
of doing the right thing feels a lot nicer Mm -hmm. in my body. (laughs) And, you know, that doesn't mean that there wasn't a time where I didn't do the next right thing. I did. And knowing what I know now, I Mm -hmm. behave differently. And those were things that I did. Those weren't who I was. That's right. Mm -hmm. We are more than our thoughts. We are more than our actions. There are the things that we do and then there is who we are. That is, say that again. That was powerful. (laughs) Those were the things that I did. Those were not who I was. Mm -hmm. And we were just teaching about this in our in our online course, A Radiant Year. We're just wrapping up um, the first season of A Radiant Fall, and we were talking a little bit about shame. And, and you mentioned sometimes when we're in shame, when we're holding on to something that we did that we're not proud of, we will keep it a secret. It will be like that dirty little secret. And so there's a more of a likelihood that we'll just be minding our own business, you know, doing errands and it'll come up, you know, it'll get bigger and bigger and we'll just start to feel worse and worse. And there is so much power in getting our secrets out into the light and sharing our stories so that we can remember that we're all human and that we all feel similarly. We forget, you know, that we're all human. We really forget that. We think you know, we put people on pedestals or we judge people, but we forget that we're all connected, that we're all the same and we all fail and we all have potential for redemption. And what would your dear friends say to you when you can't speak to yourself kindly? Well, she did say to me, you know, I, I said I was... I was a terrible friend and I was a terrible person. And she said, you need to stop saying that. Mm. And this was the person that I felt like I had wounded so badly. And, and to have her offer that back to me, you know, she could have offered anything to me, including a lot of mean, you know, righteous things, rightfully so in my mind. But she didn't. She offered me love and kindness. And it was the greatest gift. Like she said, you're a great person and you were a great friend. And and I'm so happy to have you back in my life. And it was it was like my heart just like came out of my body and mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it was amazing. So she did say those things. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And we then have all had times where we've gone and and we've attempted to repair something and it hasn't been received well. I did lose a friend in those days and looking back, I can see the behavior that wasn't intentionally hurtful, but was thoughtless because I was very focused on self-soothing and my attempts to repair did fall on deaf ears. So what do we then so what do we do then when there is nobody from the outside to forgive us? And we don't want to hold on to this blackness inside and continue to find evidence that we're this terrible person because that's not going to help anyone or maybe even honor the hurt that was caused or honor the intention to do better. But that's when we really have to double down on our self-forgiveness practices. And I just keep going back to my definition of self-compassion, which is when those memories crop up, hand to heart, okay, I have to forgive myself for not measuring up to the kind of perfect version of myself that I'll never be. 
that I think I have to be though, in order to be good. Oh yeah. And, and believe me, I didn't think that this amends would be taken. Well, I had done a lot of work around this before and around self-compassion and self-forgiveness and going back into that photograph of who I was at that time and letting all the other pieces fall away and holding that girl's hand 25 years ago and just saying, what do you need? You know, what do you need? And offering that to her. And this was just like a cherry on top of the Sunday of life. You know, this wasn't expected or something that I would ever thought would have occurred. And I was okay with that. And that's the work, right? Like that's the work. Like we have to be able to still not leave ourselves and not abandon ourselves and stand with ourselves. Even if what we have done isn't forgiven by someone else, we still have to stay with ourselves and not leave. And and that's the work. And it is. It's we're using that <laughs> word intentionally, it does feel like work. And it, Mm -hmm. and it will just continue to go on for me. Just, yeah, speaking honestly, it will continue to go on. Absolutely. Yeah. Because life, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's not like we get to a point while we're still breathing that we reach this point. Oh, I have accomplished it all. Yeah. It's like, oh, I am this perfect specimen of love and compassion. Like we live in this world. We live in the world and stuff will happen and we will hurt people and people will hurt us. And it's not like that's ever going to stop happening. Like we can only do our best and do the next right thing. Yeah. We can't control what happens, but we can control how we, we react to it. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. And you definitely are not the worst. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you for sharing yours. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to go back because, you know, I'm not interested in going back at all. Mm -hmm. In fact, Mm -hmm. I, I see this as as a next right thing. Honestly, I, I see this step that we're taking for our family in that way. And I do see it as an opportunity to reclaim that version of myself and take her hand and bring her into my own approval. I love that. I'll keep uh, imagining what you would say when I need it to. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think you, I think you would know what I would say, but if you ever need to hear it live, you know where I am. I do. Except for next week because you'll be on retreat. So I won't bug you then. <laughs> you would never be bugging me. And I, I would love to take you in my heart to Mexico with me. All right, Amy. Well, have an amazing time. And um, I can't wait to hear all about it the next time we talk. Oh, I can't wait to tell you all about it. I'm so excited for this. All right. Till next time. Love you. All right. Love you too. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Warrior Podcast. If you found it valuable, please leave us a positive review to help others find it. And please check out the Radiant Warrior podcast on Instagram and Facebook to leave us your questions and find out where you can come and practice with us next.